us from Roseville. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you, sir? Good. As a local farmer, how's this weather treating you? Terribly. Yes. Everybody wants to see the sun, and bring we it. haven't seen it for a couple of weeks, so we, everybody's like looking forward to that. Yes, bring that sunshine on tomorrow. How do you feel about the moisture, though? You feel you've gotten to where you need to be with moisture? Um, we're a lot better than we were about a month ago. So with the frost going out of the ground um, here in the past month, and we've gotten some really nice gentle rains that have, have soaked in pretty good. So right now, um, it's not nearly as big a worry as it was a, a few weeks back. So I'd say we're sitting fairly decent right now. Okay, good. And uh, USDA reports uh, for planting will start to come out. What are you thinking for your farm? We're not really changing a whole lot up. Um we're, we've always been pretty much on a 50-50 rotation, and with the input costs the way they were, uh, we didn't put any corn on corn down this year, so we're just, we haven't really changed a whole lot, but <coughs> I'm curious to see how the growing season goes this year, but, uh, I you know, wheat, definitely, I'm maybe thinking about putting some of that in this fall um, with the way the wheat price, prices are, and, and uh, if we can find a good elevator that, you know, that we can take it to around here get something set up early uh, that usually seems to be the biggest problem with doing weed around here is once you get it grown then sometimes it's hard to find a delivery spot for it you thinking about that wheat being necessary given the the invasion in ukraine well the invasion in the ukraine um with fertilizer prices and nitrogen especially um ukraine's actually the that country produces the most anhydrous of any country in the world so their infrastructure is not in very good shape right now and i don't think from what i understand if you're uh in the shipping industry you can't afford the insurance to go into a port in the ukraine right now so um we might have to look at uh crops that don't grow nitrogen around here or don't require a lot of nitrogen to grow so um you know that's kind of in the back of everybody's head because i don't think That's, it's going to be very hard for anybody to, to start a, an anhydrous plant and start production to cover what we're not getting out of the Ukraine right now. So it's going to be an interesting growing season for sure. Yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. I did not realize um, that the anhydrous out of Ukraine, that that was a very uh, specific area of, of exporting that yep. product. And uh, you're right. It'd be interesting to see with the input prices, what can you grow that doesn't require uh, nitrogen like you said right so. that might that might be alternatives the guys are looking at you talking so. to elevators right now um not really usually uh i mean this i haven't on the wheat but you know wheat doesn't go in until september sure so sure. uh those 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 plans change very rapidly in the fall because if it turns out incredibly wet and and then you know if you got a bunch of beans that you're trying to get out and stuff like that then you, you sometimes you think the second think well maybe i won't put that weed in so we don't have time to mess with it but those you know we won't make the final well hopefully we'll have something set up with the with an elevator before we actually put the seeds in the ground in the fall so okay that makes sense and like you said see how the growing season goes heck we don't know what'll be here in september we have no idea other than football season and and harvest there you go that's about it that's the only thing guaranteed at the (laughs) moment Okay, let's talk about Captain Carp Fish Fertilizers. That's been a very important and interesting development in sustainability as you continue as a farmer. Tell us about this program. Well, um, we started this uh, last summer. Um, we had a group come come to me and told me they had a product that they were working with, and and it got pretty interesting pretty quick. 
Um, what we're doing is we're taking the Asian carp out of the Mississippi and Illinois River and we're turning them into a fish fertilizer. Uh, the characteristics of it are a lot different than most fish fertilizers. Um, we're, we've been this this summer and this growing season we're trying to get as much data as we can. There's going to be a this product's going to work really well in certain applications. We just got to figure out what those applications are. Um, you know, foliar feeding soybeans and using it for a starter on corn were two of the things that we're going to try this year. Um, we've talked with some of the universities about uh, when we apply it as a foliar feed, if we can leave the pH at a certain level, that it would act as a fungicide and an insecticide. So that's some data that we're going to try to <clears throat> try to do some research on uh, this summer also. So we've got several growers in this area that um, are set up pretty well on their yield maps and stuff like that. So they're going to go out and do, we're going to do private trials. Um, we're working with some different seed companies in the area that they're going to try to put it on some of their plot and get some data off of it that way. Um, but what's what's really interesting about the with the carp is when we first started it, some of the we, first test results we got, we got humic acid present in the samples. And humic acid is something that <clears throat> is a, it's a soil builder. Um, it works to basically make the organic material that's in the soil that may not be readily available for the plants. It helps um, that organic material break down so that the plants can actually absorb it. And right now the only place that um, you get humic acid from is in out of the coal mine industry. It's actually a it's the, from what I understand, it's the top layer. There's two or three inches of this humic acid that's on a vein of strip mine coal, like in this area, and they scrape that coal off and they use it for um, a fertilizer additive. And so this is actually kind of a discovery of a, of a new resource for for humic acid. And what's really good about it is that we're using it. It's coming from an invasive species that we're helping pull pull nitrates and base species out of the river and help clean the, the water up and and it makes an excellent fertilizer yes it's so scientific too it's sustainable agriculture it just is another example of innovation with our farmers and our agriculture industry and how how you guys are stewards of the land you understand and you're willing to to put effort in wherever you can to try to help our environment overall, which continues to lead to very good food sources. Uh, anytime we can break down organic matter, you know, that tends oh, to yeah. be and absorb it into the plant. That's what we're wanting. Plus, uh, you know, helping us rid ourselves of, of too much of a species that can be overwhelming. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, we're taking something that's kind of a negative and turn it into a really good positive, so. Yeah. And how do you spell that acid, by the way? Uh, it's like human, except humic. Humic, okay. I wondered. I had not heard of that one. So that's awesome that you have other farmers willing to do private trials. Yeah. This well, is good. This is, I'll explain how that went, Vanessa. Okay. <laughs> I, I was talking to my cousin Rick down in Roseville uh -huh. and I told him what we were doing. And he says, well, you know, I spent worse money on worse things than that. So. <laughs> is that the <laughs> but, truth, though? Yeah, they're willing to try it, and I really appreciate it. So, um, but no, it's, it's, it's the, this is going to be some good fertilizer. And, It'll be interesting, you know, you guys would say, hey, you know, if this turns into something really, you know, 
really big that they'll say, hey, we were some of the first guys that ever put that stuff in the ground. Well, what's interesting is if you Google fish fertilizers, there's a t- this is a huge market. Oh, this yeah. This isn't nothing, anything new. It's finding ways to make it, to be a part of that industry. Yeah. And this is the first product that we can find locally that's going to take an invasive species. Right. And see, some of the, what's kind of unique about our products is the other products that you see on the market are usually made up from saltwater fish. Right. And in the way the USDA regulates fish fertilizer and fish meat production and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff is that you have to harvest the meat from the fish before you can render or turn the, the scraps into fertilizer. Right. Yours. The, ours, we're allowed to use the entire fish because it's an invasive species and the meat's not harvestable. That's right. So I that really that. gives the fertilizer um, an extra boost. That is so interesting. I remember seeing that uh, Monday uh, working with your website and learning that tidbit that what was so unique and different about this product was you're using that whole uh, Asian carp yep. instead of just parts and pieces, like you said, with harvesting the saltwater yep. fish. Okay, good news, good news. What's next for Captain Kark? We get through the, the data research compilation. Um, yeah, we're, 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 we're talking with, a, uh, it's a basically a global company, and we, there might be some type of a partnership developed between us and them. Um, it's, we've had... We've basically been in, in talks with them since November. Yeah. So, uh, and it seems like we get through one step and then we go to the next step. Sure. Because so, Asian um, carp's all over. Yep. And, and this, other countries could use the same concept with different types of, depending on what they grow yep. or what they need in general based upon their weather pattern and geographic location. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Good luck with this, Andy. Thank you. Thanks for keeping us posted on such an interesting uh, concept as well. All right, American Hemp Research, how is that going? Um, well, we're keep plugging away. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're, we're working with, uh, we're trying to get into some markets down in, in Missouri, uh, Iowa area. Basically, uh, we're talking with some individuals that he owns several gas stations down there in that area. So we're trying to get see if he'll start carrying our products and stuff like that. But um, we're, we've got some new products that will be coming out here in the next, a uh, few weeks we're working with our bottlers on it and <clears throat> so but you know feedback we're still getting great results um we've had with club 41 i've had we have customers that come in there and, and that are using the cbd stuff and so i get to kind of get good feedback from them usually about every week and and they've actually taught me some stuff because i've got carpal tunnel real bad in my wrist and they asked me if it would help, and I was like, mm, I don't know. I never tried it for that. And so they came back the next week, and I said, how did it work on your carpal tunnel? And they said, it's about 75% better than it was. So I started doing it, and holy cow, I couldn't believe it. Now, what would you use for carpal tunnel? I've just been using our regular 750 lotion. Oh, the and, lotion, okay. Yeah, and just rubbing it right into my wrist and hands. And, you know, there'd be there's a lot of times just driving a car or whatever i'll have you know i'll lose sensation in my hand and it, that doesn't happen anymore hmm. so well remind people what what the products is how about are what are the products uh what uh, what is american hemp research and remind people how these cbd products are used you can also get thc free uh for those that that uh don't you know that are cdl maybe they have they drive a truck and uh, need to be drug tested uh the thc level uh, is very very low to begin with from what i've learned from oh, you yeah. but you yeah. also have thc products 
yeah, tea free products. Yep. Oh, um, yeah, we don't have THC my products. Bad. I don't know all my. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, we're we're uh, we're actually American Hemp Research was the first hemp growers in the state of Illinois. Uh, we've been making CBD CBD products for. I think we're going on our third year that we've been selling in retail. We manufacture all the hemp and the crude CBD oil right on our farm. And then we have a bottler and a mixer that um, he puts all of our CBD oil into our products. So, and for, there's all different types of ailments that people have seen benefits from. Um, You know, anywhere from arthritis, uh, we have some pet products. if you have an older dog that's um, getting arthritis in his hip, uh, I've seen this stuff extend dogs' lives a couple of years. And that, you know, on my own personal farm, I've seen that. So, I, you know, we had a dog that we didn't keep her on CBD. She couldn't get up. And and uh, we, we had her for probably two extra years. I don't think that we would have had her if we hadn't had her on CBD stuff. And what is CBD? CBD is a cannabinoid that comes from a cannabis plant. Okay, and, and what inside of it scientifically is what makes it work? It's a good question. Um, part of the, it, it works really good as an anti-inflammatory. And it has, you know, when they first started the, because you couldn't do any research with cannabis mm-hmm. because it wasn't considered a medicinal product. So... But what people found and how the CBD basically um, got known to be a medical product was with kids that had epilepsy or having terrible times with seizures. Sure. And that's where it all started with the the Charlotte Webb strain out of Colorado. And when people figured out that it wasn't the THC, that it was the CBD that was actually helping with the, the seizures, that's when... People started breeding specifically for the CBD and getting that cannabinoid out of the hemp. And the what's really what's really interesting is there's hundreds of cannabinoids in hemp plants. So we're just now starting to isolate those cannabinoids and then um, finding out exactly what they do. And and it's interesting. Like you were telling me a story about um, the other night at your house with uh, one of our gummies and how it helps your husband sleep but you took one of them and it acted like a like a cup of coffee (laughs) so that's what's interesting because sometimes the cannabinoids affect people in different ways they do i'm naturally high strong well that's not a bad thing (laughs) okay so any what's the next step for american hemp research um we're just we're this year, um, we're sitting on a lot of hemp that we're still processing from okay. the last two years of growing. So this year, we're kind of pulling back on how much we're growing. And basically what we're doing, we're working with the research. We're doing a research project with the University of Illinois. And they're doing it with uh, a lot of growers throughout the state and basically collecting as much data because, like what you said, it's still a new crop. Um, yeah, it's going to be a while. It's still a new industry. Things are still trying to get their, you know, get things figured out you know markets and and supplies and all that so yeah there's a lot of data still to be collected on on oh yeah it'll yep different products growing in different parts of i mean the whole country's growing hemp depending on where you're at 
Um, so how does it grow in Colorado versus what it grows here in Illinois right. versus what it grows in Florida? And it's, I mean, it's, I thought when we first got into this, just because we have so much hemp that grows wild around here, you know, you would think that it would be pretty prime growing region. But what we found is our humidity levels in the fall are so high that we're, we're constantly battling, uh, mildew and mold issues on the flowers mm. in the fall did not and, know that yeah and see out in the in the arid regions you yeah. know, when you got in colorado they don't have that problem interesting so that's something that and believe it or not corn earworm absolutely loves hemp oh. so we have to battle that quite a bit too and you would think that over all these years that you know without it really growing there wouldn't be too much insects but apparently the the wild hemp around here has kept the kept the insects with a good flavor for hemp so oh, it's the hemp's fault yeah yeah it's the go. hemp's fault okay let's transition we're running out of time it's 8 57 we're talking with local farmer and business entrepreneur andy houston club 41 you've been having great success with um not only refurbishing and renovating but re-establishing the nostalgia and the the food at club 41 yeah, we. Uh, my main goal when when I first when I bought this place is I just wanted to get it right back to the way it used to be when I was a kid, and people loved going there. And what I'm trying to do is is when you sit down, I want you to have one of the best steaks that you can get in the state. And we've had people come in, and I we had a gentleman a few weeks back that had been in there a few years and didn't have a very good. They didn't like his steak when he had it three years ago, and and he told us that this was one of the best steaks that he'd ever had that he had that day so i was i was really happy about that Good. so that was one of the things that i've been trying to get to um we're we're, we're growing we've got people uh what we've noticed here in the last probably four to six weeks is we're getting a lot of customers in there that nobody has ever seen before Good. or knows who they are so we know those are those are new customers coming in which is great and uh uh, the only our biggest turtle that we have is when everybody shows up everybody shows up at the same time yeah so we can go from uh you know lots of seats to clear full in about 25 minutes and that's when that's when my staff has to kick it into high gear so to speak but we just tell everybody be patient we'll get there so i tell you you and your colleagues a uh, lot of respect for all of you in the restaurant business not only did you guys put your livelihoods on the line with COVID-19, staying open, doing what you could to hone in and develop the best products that you could, uh, trying to maneuver through the loss of revenue, and now you have inflation on top of it, which is causing you to have product, a lack of product, uh, whether, and you know, now we deal with the poultry prices, in addition to the beef prices that we've already been dealing with, but we're having to, unfortunately, euthanize millions of birds. Uh, so it's been no easy hill for our restauranteurs, and I really um, commend all of you in our local area for what you've been able to provide and contribute um, to, to the restaurant business through such challenging times. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a great staff down there, and it's a, it's a really enjoyable place to come and work. Um, you know, everybody gets along nice. Uh, you know, every, when it gets a little stressful, yeah, there's sometimes that we might, you know, have a bump in the road here and there. But all in all, the people down there are really nice. They're all pretty much local people, you know, that grew up in this area. Um, love Club 41 just as much as, as I do. And, and uh, so it makes it, it's a lot of fun. But, yeah, you're right. The, it, for the 
restaurant industry, the, the COVID has just been, it's just been a battle, battle, battle. And a lot of the people that are still, you know, slugging their way through it, they're just too stubborn to quit and they want to keep things going. Well, best of luck to you Thank and you. everybody in the business. And I wish you the best on growing season, all of our farmers. And uh, it's you know, just a good reminder to be safe. Um, it is that time for you guys to start thinking about planting, oh, all yeah. the work you got to do. And uh, people be uh, co- you know conscientious on the roads. Definitely be looking out for slow-moving equipment as you guys get ready for the fields. Yep, thank you. It's always yep. a good time of year when I think about and smell that you know beautiful black dirt getting ready for oh, yeah. planting. Yep, and then the first time you're mowing the yard and you're smelling the grass, and yep, and then pretty soon there'll be dandelions everywhere, and they'll be pretty for two days, and then we got to look at all the seeds flying around for a month. Exactly. <laughs> Andy, thanks for coming in for the updates. All right, thank you, Vanessa. Andy Houston with us on 1330 WREM.